Well, this is going to be different here. I'm speaking to a camera instead of a bunch of people, so um, bear with me if this is a little bit awkward. Um, I want to start by, by just referencing what Byron just did with the communion. When Jesus had that supper, that supper was actually him celebrating the Passover. Passover began uh, Wednesday, the 8th at sundown. It will end this Thursday, um, uh, uh, the 16th. And we're right in the middle of Passover. We're right in the middle of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Um, you know, we have a lot of feast days. We have the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We have the Feast of First Fruits. We have the Feast of Trumpets. We have the Feast of Tabernacles. I like the way Sam Nadler puts it. He said, every feast day is based on this. They tried to kill us. They couldn't. Let's eat. Pause for virtual laughter. Okay, so you're all laughing at home. Anyway, um, and you may look at me and think, oh, he must be a highly ultra-Orthodox Jew because he really takes um, taking the feast days seriously, even maybe a couple of feast days at a time. But... Um, the camera puts on 90 pounds. I think that's the saying. Isn't that what everybody says? The camera puts on 90 pounds. So we're cool. But what I want to talk to you about today is Pesach, the Passover. And, um, you know, a lot of people think that Hanukkah is the celebration the Jews do because the rest of the world has Christmas and they need something to celebrate. And a lot of people think that Passover, Pesach, is the celebration that Jews do because the rest of the world has Easter and they need something to celebrate as well. And honestly, that could not be further from the truth. The celebration of Passover is the celebration of Easter. The celebration of Passover is the Passover lamb being slain so the blood would go over the doorpost of our house so the angel of death would pass over. And we know that in Easter we're celebrating the slain lamb, the lamb of God, whose blood put over the doorpost of our heart causes the angel of death for the second death to pass over. It's interesting how important Passover is um, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. First of all, we have Rosh Hashanah, another feast, the Feast of Trumpets. But in reality, according to the Torah, God said, make Nisan, the 14th of Nisan, which is the 14th of April in our calendar most of the time. Um, Nisan and April coincide because we have different calendars. But he said, make that the first month of the year. That's what starts the year. So truly, New Year's, though we celebrated in September during the High Holy Days, according to the Torah, it should be celebrated in Nisan, in April. It says it here in uh, Exodus 12, 1 through 27. There's actually 1 and 2 where he mentions that. But we read in that chapter 12 of Exodus, and I encourage you to write that down and go back and read it, but we read where God instituted the Passover. And there is so much <laughs> that we can talk about in Passover that I'm not going to, okay? But let me just give you like a broad brush, all right? First of all, Passover was when God said to take the lamb, a one-year-old lamb, a male lamb, and bring him into your house on the 10th and inspect him for four days and make sure there's no blemish at all, no fault in this lamb, and then kill that lamb. And then Put the door, the blood over the doorposts of your, of your uh, homes, and the angel of death will come and pass over. Now, 
The Jews celebrated that Passover 3,500 years ago, roughly 3,500 years ago. And do you know what they've done every single year, 3,500 times in a row, including this year? They've celebrated that same Passover. Think about that. That is mind-blowing. God institutes something 3,500 years ago, and it is still going on today. And in the Passover, everything about the Passover points to Jesus. It starts with the woman lighting the candles. And that's because Mary was the woman who brought the light into the world. In the, in the Passover, there's a thing called the afikomen. The afikomen is, um, excuse me, take it back. It's called the echad. The echad is the word one, if you know the prayer, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord he is one. The Lord he is Echad. So the very word one, Echad, means unity. And in the Echad is three pieces of matzah. And matzah is unleavened bread. And matzah is pierced and matzah is striped. Now, in Judaism, we say that the three pieces of matzah represent the Father, the Son, the middle piece, the Holy Ghost. I mean, excuse me. (laughs) In Judaism, we say that it stands for God, the priesthood, and man, or Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we know now that it really stood for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But here's what's cool. No matter how you look at it, the middle piece of matzah, it's either the Son— Jesus, the priesthood, who is the high, you know, Jesus is forevermore, the high priest of the confession of our faith, or Isaac, who is a type of the Messiah who is to come. Now, we take the achad, and we take out the middle piece of matzah. Now, remember, matzah is unleavened bread. Leaven represents sin. So we're taking out this middle piece of matzah, unleavened, sinless bread, bread that is pierced, bread that is striped, and we break it. And then we wrap it in a linen, and we hide it during the Passover. And then later in the Passover, just before the third cup, not the first cup of sanctification, not the second cup of judgments, but the third cup, the cup of redemption, that's right before that one. We pull up the afikomen. We pull up that piece of matzah, and we take and we eat. And so when Jesus was at that Last Supper, his last Passover on earth, he didn't just arbitrarily look and say, oh, there's a good piece of, you know, bread there and and grab a baguette. He literally took the afikomen. And we know that because there's only one place in the Passover where you actually eat a piece of bread and drink some wine. There's all kinds of different times you eat this with this and that with that, but there's only one time where you take the bread and then the wine. So we know that Jesus said, This is my body. This piece that we took out, broke, buried, and resurrected on the third day, the third cup, the cup of redemption. This is my body, take and eat. And then he drinks the wine and says, this is the cup of the new covenant. You know, take and drink. And and that new covenant was, was a completed covenant. Everything that was done from the very beginning was to point to the fact that one day, the laws that we had to obey for sanctification that we realized there was no way we could obey, one day those laws would be written on our hearts instead of on stone, and that the Holy Spirit would indwell this temple and make it so that we could obey those laws and that we have the Messiah who paid the price for the laws 
that we didn't obey. It's so awesome. What about the fact that you brought the lamb in the house on the 10th and inspected him until the 14th? And once you found nothing wrong with this lamb, that's when you killed it. What about the fact Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and for four days he's inspected by the people, he's inspected by the high priest, he's inspected by the Pharisees, he's inspected by the Sadducees, until finally he comes before Pilate on the fourth day, and what does Pilate say? I find no fault in him. Crucify him. Go to Daniel chapter 9. This I love. Daniel chapter 9 talks about the weeks. Okay, it talks about the fact that I'm not even looking at these notes. Daniel chapter nine talks about when Messiah would come. Look at the footnote in in, in your Bibles. When Messiah would come, the coming of the Messiah. And he literally says, from the time that Jerusalem is rebuilt, there will be this many days until Messiah comes. Now, here's what's really wild about that. Daniel was an exiled Jew in Babylon, modern day Iraq. He had no clue in the natural that they'd ever be released. He had no clue that even if they were released, that Jerusalem would be rebuilt. And he certainly had no clue that it would be way later that the Messiah would come into Jerusalem on the very exact day. So you know how God is. He's so awesome. God loves math. It's his favorite subject. He got like an A-plus in school. And pause. Okay, so... But God loves math, and he loves dates, and he loves saying in the 10th year, on the fourth day, you know, he he just breaks it down so that you can know. So we know the exact day the order was given in Nehemiah's time to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And if you mark that day to the day that Jesus came into Jerusalem, it's the day. I remember when I was first given a Bible, I was told... um, Dean, you should read this. And I finally broke down and said, hey, if Jesus was a Jew, he couldn't be all that bad. I'll read about him. And as I was reading these things he did, I thought, man, what a joker. He knows he's supposed to do these things, so he fakes it and does it, and all these idiots, they they fall for it. But Jesus had no choice of when he was born. I mean, he could have figured out the right day and gone into Jerusalem on that day, but he didn't figure out that he would be alive on that day, did he? He had no choice of the time that he was born. It's incredible. You know, another one, that, the one that really got me, was that the Passover lamb's bones weren't to be broken. And yet they came and they broke the bones of the dude on the left and they broke the bones of the guy on the right. But Jesus' bones they didn't break because he was the Passover lamb. So we have all these things about Passover that just, just point to this and, and show this. But... One of the things about Passover, and I said the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob loves Passover because Passover does begin our year. And when is the Feast of First Fruits? It says three days after Passover. There's that demarcation. When is Shavuot, what we call Pentecost? Shavuot was the giving of the law. Pentecost was the giving of the Spirit. Remember, there were 3,000 people that were killed during the Spirit giving of the law. There were 3,000 people that were saved during the giving of the Spirit in Acts, but we have this feast. And when is the feast? How do we know when the feast is? It's 50 days after Passover. Passover is such a demarcation because Passover changed everything. Now, I want to go into a little bit about the day that we're living in. So let me actually get to my notes here. And let me say this too. The first Passover was when the Jews were miraculously delivered out of slavery in Egypt. 
And think about, I can't do these notes. Think about this. They were in the middle of a plague. Sound familiar? The angel of death was going to come and wipe out the firstborn male of every man and animal. God gave a decree. Shelter in place. You are not allowed to leave your homes. When the Jews did leave Egypt after the angel of death passed over, the people of Egypt gave them gold and silver, and they fled with the gold and the silver. And those that didn't shelter at home, there was a plague that killed many, many people and animals. Interesting. So where are we today? Today, we have a plague that is plaguing our land called Corona-19, the virus. We've been given a decree to shelter in place. There's an angel of death that's going around that's killing man and animals. And our government's handing out stimulus checks, <laughs> like Egypt is giving money. The similarities are uncanny. They really are. So here is the first Passover, the institution of the Passover. And it was not, just like today, it was not for the destruction of the Jews. It was for the release of the Jews from bondage and slavery in Egypt. So let's fast forward here. I don't even know where these notes are now. Let's, let's just fast forward to another Passover. Forty years they wander in the wilderness because of unbelief and not going in. God's plan was take you out of Egypt, put you into the promised land. But you didn't listen, and you didn't have faith. And now that entire generation was going to die off before they could enter into the promised land. So the Bible takes painstaking time to let you know that on the 9th of April, which actually turns out to be my 40th spiritual birthday, April 9th, I have been serving the Lord for 40 years. On April 9th, Joshua went through the camp, said, consecrate yourself, get ready. Tomorrow we're crossing over. Tomorrow, the 10th, they cross over. Four days later, don't you love it? Four days later, the whole Jesus comes into Jerusalem in triumph on the 10th. He's inspected for four days, and then he's crucified. And now Joshua crosses over into the promised land on the 10th. And four days later, they're going to celebrate the Passover on the 14th. Now, there was the whole circumcision in between. Between that 10th and the 14th, there was the circumcision. Um, because all those people in Egypt weren't being circumcised, and now they're even in the wilderness, and now they're out, and they go through circumcision, which is what Jesus does to our hearts. The Messiah circumcises our heart, not to be too graphic, but he cuts away the, the dead skin so that it's now a sensitive heart to the spirit of the living God, right? So they celebrate Passover again. So now we see another Passover being celebrated. The first one we read about that was significant, was their deliverance out of Egypt. The next one that we read about that was significant was their entering into the promised land. And then we fast forward 1,500 years, and there's another Passover. The Passover lamb has come to Jerusalem to be sacrificed as the Passover lamb. You see, 
one of the, well, I don't want to get in my head on this side here. By the way, I haven't been giving scripture references on a lot of this stuff. I apologize. Whoever was supposed to put them up there, I'm not sure if they went up there or not. But anyway, um, I'm going to give you some here at the end, okay? Okay. A key was, and I really want you to hear this, if you were a good Jew back in Egypt and you followed God to a T, you went ahead and you found that lamb and it was one years old, you brought it into your home and you inspected it for four days, you found no blemish in your lamb, you killed your lamb, you took your lamb as you were instructed, and you cooked your lamb as you were instructed, and your family wasn't big enough for all of it, and so you brought other families in with you because you had to eat all of the lamb, and you took your staff in your hand, ready to go at a moment's notice, like you were told to do. You put the, the, the bread on your back, and you let the sun cook it as you fled Egypt, the, the bread of haste, the matzah, the sinless bread. You did all of those things, and you, and you didn't come out of your house. You sheltered in place. Do you know what would have happened to you when the angel of death passed over? You would have died. If you did everything that God told you to do, you would have died. Because killing the lamb and obeying the law wasn't enough. You had to put the blood over your doorpost. Because when the angel of death came, he would see the blood and he would pass over. He would not see that you obeyed the law. He would not see that you did every jot and tittle. He would not see your heart. Don't we hear that so much? As long as your heart is in the right place, as long as, as, long as you're doing what you believe is right, that's not what the angel of death was looking for. He was looking for the blood. And guys, I want to tell you that Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter that Jesus came and died for our sins. If you don't receive him as Messiah, if you don't ask him to forgive you of your sins, if you don't ask him to be Lord of your life, if you don't turn the rulership of your life from yourself to him, then his death was in vain as far as you're concerned. Because the angel of death is coming. There is a second death whether you die of coronavirus or you die of, uh, of a car accident or you die of old age, surrounded by your family, at home in your bed, the best way to go, right? There's still a second death. And where you will spend eternity, which, by the way, is way longer than where you spent life on earth, okay, because it has no end, where you spend that eternity is what did you do with the blood of the Lamb? It's so important. So, by the way, there's one commandment that I've been searching Scripture for and I can't find as we, as we look at the similarities, and that is there's nowhere in the Torah or the Tanakh, for that fact, where God said to store up toilet paper. So I, I just want to mention that, okay? That is not one of the prerequisites to store up toilet paper. Um, but all the others are the same. All the others are the same. So my question is, is could this be a very significant Passover this year? Could there be something about Passover 2020 
That's different from a lot of them. The first Passover was incredible, and it marked the deliverance of the Jews from Egypt. The second Passover we read about, of course they did it for the next 40 years, but the second Passover we read about was significant because it marked the entering into the promised land. And then the third one that we read about was the most significant because it marked salvation to every Jew, every Gentile, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, okay? But what about this Passover? I was thinking, my parents never went through a global pandemic. My grandparents never went through a global pandemic. My great-great-grandparents never went through a global pandemic. So I got on Google and I started looking at global pandemics that affected the entire world. Do you know there isn't one? I think the closest one that came was the Black Plague. Is that the one they call the bubonic plague? That affected a lot of people, and so many people died. But it did not affect the whole world. We're in something unprecedented right now. We're not only in the middle of a shelter in place because of a plague that's going to kill people and animals, but we're in it during Passover. I think that's got to have some significance. And then I think we just got done with Purim. Purim is the book of Esther. It's where all the Jews were going to die because of this terrible man named Haman and because of uh, Esther's uncle Mordecai and him speaking to Esther. She goes before the king and all the Jews are saved, even though God never shows his face. And what's interesting is the phrase that everyone quotes for such a time as this. You don't know Esther. You may have been at this place for such a time as this. And I think we need to think about such a time as this. Why are we the ones that are alive? Like I say, my parents, my grandparents, my great-great-grandparents, you know, all the way down to Abraham for me, there's never been a global pandemic like this. But yet God has chosen, just like he chose that Jesus would be alive in that day that he entered Jerusalem, he chose that we should be alive during this day. Now, I think this is also significant. We, as Christians, believe that the next great event is the return of the Lord. Everybody's looking for the return of the Lord. But you know what? There is an event that the Scripture says takes place before then. So if we can put Joel up there. I'm going to actually turn around and read Joel because I don't have it written out in my notes here. It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even in among the survivors whom the Lord calls. There is going to be a great revival before the turn of the Lord. You know, this is what Peter, this is what Peter was prophesying when he got up on Shavuot, on 
the day of Pentecost, on the giving of the Spirit being poured out. And this is what he quoted, because he says, man, this is what's happening here. We, that was the beginning of the pouring out of the Spirit. But before the great and terrible day of the Lord, there will be a great awakening. We know there's going to be another great awakening. There's going to be a revival. I want to keep looking for the Lord to come, but stop looking for the Lord to come and start looking for that revival to come, that great awakening so that there's more people that go with the Lord when he does come. And I was thinking, if this is significant, and I think it is, and if we are getting ready to come out of bondage in Egypt, enter into the promised land, receive our Messiah, and now we're being prepared for the great awakening, if this is happening again as a precursor to the great awakening, I don't want to be left behind. And I don't mean I don't want to be left behind because God's going to come and rapture me out and I don't want to be left behind. No, I mean, I don't want to be left behind because God is going to come and pour his spirit out in the land. And we're going to see signs and wonders and miracles and all kinds of great things. I don't want to be left out of that. And I think one of the things that's happening in our world is we're consumed with the virus. And I feel like a hypocrite to say it, but we get up every morning, and what's the first thing we do? We hit the news app to find out how many people died yesterday. I mean, do you guys do that? I do that. You know, it was March 17th, I believe, when we hit the tipping point that 100 people died. And I looked at it, I said, tipping point? There's 235 people in America, and this is a tipping point? 100 are dead? But now we find ourselves, you know what, three weeks later, less than a month later, and it's, what, 20,000? Do we hit 20? Is it 10? I can't even remember now. i got to go to my app. But anyway, there's a lot more people, thousands of people, that have, that have died from this just since March 17th. We're focused on that. I, I got so mad, I pulled up an app yesterday from the New York Times, and the, and the, uh, the, the headline was, America skyrockets past Italy in deaths. Skyrockets past Italy in deaths. So then I looked it up. In that actual article, if you go deep in it, America has 500 more deaths in Italy. Wow, did we skyrocket. And then I pulled up the populations. America has 235 million people. Italy has 60. 235 million, 60 million. Okay, do we have a little problem with the whole 500 more people died and we have skyrocketed past the little nation of Italy? It's fear. It's fear. It's, it's purpose fear to get you so focused on this and and the world is coming to an end and so on and so forth and and i don't mean we should be oblivious to these numbers and i don't mean that we shouldn't do personally the things that we know are are good to do during this time okay safe things and prudent things and responsible things i think we should do all of that but what we shouldn't do is be so focused on these numbers and these statistics and and what is happening that all of a sudden we take our eyes off the Passover lamb. And we say, Lord, what part do you have for me to play in this? There is a part. You are on the earth. I am on the earth today during this time for a purpose. God, what is that? I want to look at that statistic. I want to search that. So I just want to encourage you, and we're coming to a close here. I, I just want to encourage you. Go into Exodus and read about when God instituted the Passover. And then go into Joshua 
and, and I think it's Joshua in Joshua 2, and read about when they crossed over into the promised land. And then go into Matthew and read about the last Passover that Jesus celebrated, the last supper, and read that. And then set aside with you and the Lord and say, okay, Lord, the rubber's hitting the road here. Is this Passover the one that precedes the great awakening, the revival, the one you spoke about where you're going to pour out your spirit in all the earth? And if it is, Lord, what is my part to play in it? And honestly, if it isn't, I'm still here on this earth today. So what is my part to play today? Great awakening, revival, COVID-19 or not, what is the purpose you have for me on this earth on this day? Amen. That was a very awesome and timely message, I feel. And I'm just so thankful to that we have a, not only, we have a spiritual history, not only just a natural history. And I think Dean has brought up some amazing uh, points and some amazing thoughts. So I want to close. One of the things I wanted to do today, I uh, spoke with a friend in Israel, who lives in Israel, who isn't an Israeli yesterday, and you know, they're, they're in the same state as us. But I felt this morning I wanted to pray on this resurrection day for the peace of Jerusalem. Because I believe, you know, that Jerusalem really is the capital, of the spiritual capital of the world. It, it really is. If you ever go there, you'll know it immediately. It is the spiritual capital of the world. And Jesus is going to return there. He's the king. And so I want to pray, Father, I just thank you uh, for the Passover and what it speaks to us today. And in particular in this day, as Dean so adequately described, that this is a unique time. It's a a unique time all over the world. I pray for Jerusalem. I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Lord, I believe there's something significant that's going to come out of all of this that involves the nation of Israel the, 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 the Jewish people. Lord, I do believe there's going to be a mighty move, as Dean has described, and the Bible declares that that move will be the ingathering of the Hebrew people. And what a blessing that will bring to the world. And so we want to believe for that. We want to, we want to declare that today, that we're closer to that moment than we've ever been. We're closer than ever. And we're thankful today. We're thankful. And Lord, I just do pray you would help us to put our eyes on the person of Jesus, the the real lamb, the true lamb. And so I just bless you today. I bless your Easter time, your resurrection time. I pray it would be just wonderful. I pray there would be some healing happening. I pray that a prophetic anointing would come on you during this time. You would sense that. I do feel there's a prophetic thing that is being released now. I pray that you would begin to, to tap in to the purpose that you're on this earth for. That you begin to tap into that. And you'd be like Paul the Apostle who declared at the end of his life, I finished my course. I finished it. And that we would have a heart today to rekindle the passion in our heart, to finish, to do what we've been placed on this earth to do. I, I pray that. There's just an unction on that right now, that God is going to begin to blow across this nation and across the nations of the world. And we're going to catch that wind, and we're going to see something happen, whether it be something in the physical 
there's certainly something going to happen in the Spirit, and eventually it will manifest. So God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today. Have an amazing week. In Jesus' name, amen. Bye-bye.